Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. On today's episode, host Dan Moore speaks with Greg Patterson, CEO of the Advisory Group of San Francisco, a multi-year member of Team USA, and an Ironman triathlete, as well as a wealth and life strategist for high-achieving business owners and leaders. He shares lessons on breaking through limiting beliefs and achieving your goals, based on his Ironman journey, as well as his experience building financial stability for his clients. We hope you enjoy. Well, welcome to the Action Catalyst, everyone. This is Dan Moore, and we're so excited to have Greg Patterson here with us today. Greg has a tremendous background, not only in business and lessons that he's learned there in leadership and particularly in helping people with their finances, but also a tremendous amount of background in the world of athletics, representing Team USA in the triathlon, which is pretty incredible achievement by itself. But he's very intentional about learning the lessons and applying them to different areas. So we know we're going to get encouraged and uplifted as we go through. So Greg, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's good to have you. You know, we always like to have our guests share their bio, but not really the bullet points as much as what were the significant pivot points? In other words, you started off at UC Davis, but somewhere along the way, either before or after that, you also got very involved in athletics and competitive work. What would you say are the, are the main pivots that over time led you to the position of, of influence that you're in today? It's interesting how, if you look at a house and you see the final product. And then sometimes you really don't see all the little bricks and the foundation, right? And so yeah. that's an interesting question because growing up, a combination of teachers and coaches and sports experiences and learning experiences kind of, at least for me, accumulated as learnings and confidence builders and encouragement to take risks, whether it was, I mean, that's one thing I think was really valuable uh, and that I encourage in terms of my own kids and others with sports is you learn directly or indirectly at a young age that, you know, you take a chance. Sometimes you fall over. Sometimes you don't, you progress, you and you can really see the tangible benefits of training or practicing, even at a, a very young age. So something I'd fall back on a lot. <laughs> mm. Well, it's like Michael Jordan said, I fail over and over, which is why I succeed. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that the key thing there, you're going to fail. You know, some people think the only way not to fail is to do nothing, but that's really the only way to guarantee failure, right? Just getting comfortable with failing a lot <laughs> is half the game, I think. I also know you had a lot of experiences abroad in, in Spain, more than just a semester abroad. You were there for a good period of time, also in Latin America. Any reflections on how that living in a totally different culture has flavored and impacted what you're doing now? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I lived in, studied in Spain for a year, came back to finish up undergrad, uh, went back, worked for about two years, and then later uh, also did a project in Argentina and end up spending all together about a, uh, a year there off and on. Yeah, time in, uh, in Spain, especially at that younger formative stage, for those of us living in the U.S., we strategically and maybe militarily, it's an advantage to be more isolated because there are fewer uh, neighbors. But in the, the global world we're in now, more people in the U.S. would benefit from realizing there are, you know, we're all neighbors now. <laughs> And so when you go abroad and you meet people and you understand, oh, there's a different culture, even if there are lots of different cultures within the U.S., regardless of color, shape, size, 
uh, you know, one state to another, one family to another. Uh, but you can't avoid or ignore or accidentally miss that when you step out of your own country into another, you learn a lot more if you absorb that and experience it and take it in and allow yourself to adapt to something totally new and different. There's a, a pretty common pattern of Apparently, when people go abroad, if you go for, for long enough where you have this initial excitement phase, and then there's this uh, second phase of, wait a minute, I'm not in Kansas anymore. Uh-oh. One of the things that I'm increasingly learning as I progress through my life is how much a driver fear really is for so many people. Uh, everybody, right? I mean, none of us are immune to it. It's just that some of us are more comfortable with it or embrace it. And maybe one person embraces a certain kind of fear differently than another in their life. And another person might be the exact opposite. But we are all living under an, a little bit of an illusion that we are in, you know, the world feels so civilized and in some ways in terms of technology and culture and other things. But it's, we all have to remember we're still animal beings. And when people are angry, Psychologists say that's generally a sign of fear. Mm-hmm. You know, when you feel like something is at risk, you know, whatever it is, that's really a fear about some kind of uncontrollable element in the future. And well, if, if we have the awareness of realizing the situation has in fact changed, so what can I now gain from this new situation instead of wishing it was like it always had been? Absolutely. That's, that's a great challenge. Well, along the way, certainly from time to time, you've encountered a brick wall. Can you share some some life lessons with us about what do you do when you're suddenly stopped, bam, not sure what to do? That's happened a lot. I think it happens to all of us. Sometimes I pause to reflect a little bit. One of the things that, that I've learned is that oftentimes we're our own biggest barriers. And what is it that is creating that wall? Is that a wall that is entirely independent of me? Or did I help inadvertently construct part of that wall <laughs> right through an attitude through another inaction that's catching up to me now, or is it a confidence problem or something else? So in triathlons, for example, and a lot of these parallels could be, again, relationships, business, you name it, a lot of similar patterns. Um, You might be training for something big and you hit a point where you're just not achieving the level of preparation that you, you need to for a particular goal. And sometimes it might be that you're overtraining. Mm -hmm. And that's a term in, in sports, especially in endurance sports. And sometimes that can be a tragic flaw because uh, sometimes you have time to recover from that and get back on track and other times you don't. But if you know what it is and you catch it in time, you can get back, chip through that wall or break through that wall. And sometimes you can do that on your own. And sometimes you really have to stand on the shoulders of giants and work with a coach or an advisor or someone to help you that's been through that before to say, you know, what you're going through right now is normal. Uh, maybe you overtrained a little bit or you undertrained a little bit, or you're just fatigued or you haven't gotten enough rest or you had a bad race. And sometimes it's just a bad day, but other times it's, you know, you need an adjustment to your training. If you know how to do that yourself, great. If you don't know how to do that, sometimes you need help. And that can apply to finances, triathlons, relationships, you name it. And there's something we sometimes talk about in our business that we call uh, gas pedal risk. And people oftentimes experience this in their careers too, where they're just pushing that gas pedal, going as fast as they can, trying to get to this idea of whatever their, you know, either specific or vague endpoint is, whatever this goal is. And sometimes they burn out and hit that wall saying, well, I'm never going to get there. When in reality, sometimes they need to step back and say, am I actually on track? Am I choosing the right path to get where I really want to go, which really 
requires that you think through what is that end goal and is that what you really want? Because sometimes people are 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 following some sort of pre-programmed slingshot that their family or society or something else has set them on. And maybe maybe that's exactly what they really, truly do want. Mm-hmm. But sometimes maybe it's not. Maybe it's a little different trajectory. And maybe you can get to that same point or a better point with a little bit less effort uh, where to put that energy, where not to put the energy. Uh, you, you also said something else significant a moment ago. Be sure that the goal is something that you really want, not something that you're doing because it's expected of you or seemed like a good idea. You know, I work with a lot of young people and they'll go into college and I'll say, what are you majoring in? And they might have a field like engineering or accounting or finance. So, well, why? Because I hear I can get a good job at that. And I'll say, well, are you interested in the field? Well, not really, but I want to make some money. And okay. they're, they're just a few years away from complete breakdown, career change, existential crisis, something, because it's somebody else's reasoning. It's not even their own. And I have a, a daughter who's about to go up to college and I, and I feel sorry for kids today, it seems like over the last number of decades, there's an increasing pressure to make it, right? And with social media, the imagery and some of the, you know, industry icons, you know, it looks like, well, they just did a start in college and ended up being a billionaire. So, (laughs) you know, and it's uh, sure that happens, but it doesn't happen very often. That's not necessarily a recipe for happiness. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, uh, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy, there is a point where having enough money to be able to survive and not be struggling and suffering. Yeah, that's a big incremental happiness jump. Uh, above that, it's doing something where you feel like you're contributing to society in some way and have something that's meaningful to you. Uh, yeah, but if people jump in straight into college thinking it's a bit more like a vocational school, I sometimes people will ask me that after my business school experience, well, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you have just rather have done that in undergrad and then so you didn't have to take a break and stop working and give up that income for a couple of years to go back to grad school? And I say, no way. You know, undergrad is a time to learn how to learn. Undergrad is a time to get excited. And I, I you know, I've suggested to my daughter, you know, do what you love and, you know, you're going to learn how to learn. It's about learning how to learn and getting excited and look for some professors across departments that are really great at having, giving an experience to the students more than the material, whatever the material is, like get in front of people who get you excited about something, get inspired. If it's not what you love, you know, maybe minor in it, don't major in it. <laughs> well, you can tell us the truth, Greg, you went to Davis so you could study wine. <laughs> <laughs> How do you define study? <laughs> Very subjective. Here's a question. You have a lot of trajectories of success in your life. And at some point you could just sit back and write your books and give speeches, but you're really committed to continual personal growth. How do you keep yourself from flattening out, just getting complacent? How do you keep yourself on the grow? I have so much more to learn and there's so many areas where I am nowhere near the top. I'm definitely more of a student than a master in just about everything. Mm. You know, one of my blessings and one of my curses is that I'm I'm never quite satisfied that's maybe more of a curse than a, mm. than a blessing, but being kind of a student always, maybe it's my underneath it all, my fear or acknowledgement that I really don't know much about at all about anything mm. <laughs> that keeps me hungry, feeling like I got to keep learning. But I also love to learn and I love to progress and to feel like kind of getting to the next level, uh, not to necessarily to beat others, right? Frankly, just to better myself. And again, you know, if, if, uh, if an Ironman is 100 and 40 miles, uh, you know, in the Ironman of life, maybe I'm still at mile 20. <laughs> so yeah, uh, there's a long way to go, not just in years, but in learning. So uh, I hope I can learn more faster. Mm-hmm. And that humbleness, that humility can make you a better student. 
you know, people who are overconfident younger in life or stay overconfident through life. It's really sometimes out of a, you know, a discomfort with acknowledging or admitting or, or that you might not already know it all. I guess my wish for everybody is that there's just so much more liberty and freedom in letting go, even if it's uncomfortable and, and saying, okay, well, you know, there's more to learn. That's like that old saying, overconfidence is the feeling you have just before you find out better. if you can admit it right if you see it (laughs) and there are interesting studies that show that people who are overconfident are more consistently wrong Hmm. at the same time people are overconfident tend to attract followers because people in general human beings tends to seek people who appear to have the answer and so if you combine the fact that people tend to follow that way and that people are overconfident or wrong uh, that can be a little messy, and there's lots of cases through you know thousands of years of history, whether it's political leadership or otherwise, where that can get a little messy if you uh, don't have critical thinking along the way. Right, and where the motive is the right motive. So true. As Tobey Maguire said in Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely, and some people who are fundamentally good people get caught up in that power trap, and then they themselves become something they didn't used to be. Well, I'm kind of wondering, you know, some of our, some of our listeners are just rolling through life in a great way, but there's some others right now that are very discouraged. I know you've distilled a lot of lessons from your life. What would be one or two of your life lessons you could pass on to somebody that looks at the hand they're dealt and they, they not only have no aces, they have not any face cards. They don't know what to do. I would have to say first that while we all struggle sometimes, some people just have it a lot harder than others, whether it's structural challenges in society uh, globally. Just this challenging balance between planning for the future and living today. And that's, I don't think that's something that anybody ever fully masters. But if you focus entirely on the future, you can burn out on hope. Because if you're not figuring out some small, tiny, incremental thing you can do today, then you're just kind of living for hope. And there also research that it shows that people who are over dreamers tend to be under doers uh, because it's sort of like put so much stock in the hope, but find something. Just don't think, you know, sometimes it's just one step, right? Just one step. And, you know, we see this all the time in our business. We have a personal wealth side and uh, institutional side, which is endowments and retirement plans and the retirement plan side. Um, sometimes we'll, uh, I'll actually be, I'm one of the people that helps those institutional clients and in a 401k, for example. I'll actually go out and do some of the on-site education. And sometimes people just feel like there's no way they're going to save up to enough. And they feel like they're just never going to be able to retire. And they just can't imagine it. And they just feel like they can barely pay their bills now. And so how could they start saving? But then I, you see experiences when sometimes we get people, especially if they're young enough, where they have more time to make up for it. And they just put a little something away. Just start doing it. Just do a little piece. And then you know, we might be back the next year for an education meeting and say, you know what, I'm not really making that much progress. And I might say, hey, hang in there. There's a point where the cumulative effort of the money you're putting in and the average growth over time of the market, eventually, you know, believe me, you just got to stick with it. It's good. The cumulative effect will, will start to happen. Five years later, you talk with that same person, they're saying, hey, that's starting to, it's really starting to work and begin to see this impact. And then you, you get a new level of confidence and People are also suffering because they're worried about the future and they can't imagine getting there. And when they start to peel that away and you start to chip away at that, you can chip away at that just a little bit. And then you say, ah, I can start to see a tiny dot of light to the, the end of the tunnel. It can change your perspective. It can re-energize you. It can give you a new sense. So regardless of 
wealth or background, people sometimes suffer for uh, different reasons. And some of it just requires a little bit of chipping away at it and developing a plan. Hmm. You phrased that in a way I haven't had anybody phrase it before, Greg, and that is the balance between hope, which is future oriented, and some action we can take right now. And that's a shifting balance. But when we're really paralyzed and don't know what to do, focusing on one or two controllable things and doing those with the belief that they'll get us eventually out of that hole. Frankly, if we didn't have hope, we'd never get out of bed in the morning. Exactly. But I love your phrase, people get burned out on hope. They can also get paralyzed about fear of the future. Whereas keeping both of those in a healthy balance and doing what we can do today, that's uh, that's a really powerful encouragement. And I think it's, you know, the deeper the hole and the wider the hole, the harder it is for people to see that one small action matters. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that action might be put a dollar in your 401k. Another time might be an act of kindness to someone else to, to go beyond yourself. Sometimes, yes, yeah, just that believing that that one little thing. But if you, those little things each day, they, they build on itself and it kind of, it connects the back to the hope. And then uh, it just, uh, you create this positive cumulative effect for yourself. And because you're going to have setbacks in the future too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> any hole is really a combination of different holes, right? <laughs> like you're stuck in. And so, you know, the more you work on what you can, when you can, then when you get, there's another hole comes up, you're not compounding the hole you're already in. You're, you know, it's like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. And just think that that's part of the ride. That's the way it works for most people. That's real life. And that's the real way out. And I think that's a great final lesson for us to maybe end on that. If we two steps forward, one step back still means we're moving forward 50% faster than if we weren't taking those two steps forward. And over time we get across that minefield, whatever it is. Well, Greg, you're a, you're a learner and you're also a teacher. And I appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your thoughts and your perspective and your sense of personal humility with our audience today. I know it's been an inspiration to me. I appreciate that and your super thoughtful questions. Uh, I find the kind of thoughtful questions that you ask are inspiring to me as well. So thank you very much. Appreciate that. All the best to you and your listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that the Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.